Greetings, I'm Mike Lewis, the founder and editor of the website Where Peter Is. On this edition of WPI Perspectives, I will be joined by Father Ivan Montelongo, one of six non-bishop voting delegates from the United States who will take part in next month's assembly of the Synod of Bishops in Rome. And we'll be right back with Father Ivan. And in the meantime, why don't you subscribe to this channel and like this video. Ivan, welcome. Um, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is a pleasure to meet you and to be here with you. And so this is a special edition of WPI Perspectives, which is our podcast where we dialogue with interesting people in and around the church. This is our second episode. Our first was with Claire Navarro and uh, and Pedro Gabriel and we uh, after their World Youth Day experience. And retroactively, I decided to come up with the name of the program. So um, <laughs> that's exciting. So anyway, uh, our guest today is Father Ivan, and he is a priest of the Diocese of El Paso in Texas, and he's a member of the North American delegation to the Synod on Synodality, which will take place next month, October 2023. And you will also be returning, I understand, in October 2024, next year, for the second half of the in-person assembly. Father Ivan was ordained to the priesthood in 2020. Uh, he's a canon lawyer, and he went to Mundelein Seminary. Um, this summer, Father Ivan was named both judicial vicar and vocations director for his diocese. Um, welcome again. Um, so why don't we jump right into, you've only been a priest for three years. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and and your vocation and your seminary experience? Sure. So actually, um, I grew up in Mexico. I was born in the States, but then grew up in, in Chihuahua City, uh, which is not too far from here, uh, about four hours. That's where uh, my experience of, of faith began as a kid, um, going to religious education classes, uh, becoming interested in in, in God, in the things of God, in, in, in the faith, learning more about it and experiencing this desire to, to keep growing in it. Uh, and my pastor, uh, Father uh, Becerra, uh, was very influential, I think, in this uh, journey. He, he was a man who was always happy. He, he was a very kind person. Uh, he, he was a servant. And so... There was something about him that I think, I mean, back then I didn't know exactly what it was. And today I think it, we could say the joy of the gospel that, that he irradiated. And so when I saw him when I was a kid, I would think, well, you know, I want to be like him. I want to be a priest. And um, so that I think that was the moment in which uh, the Lord planted the, the seed of the vocation in my life. And um, I continued in, in youth group in that parish, that youth group became my, my family. Um, we, we supported each other in our faith journey. 
eventually moved to El Paso, uh, a suburb called Socorro. And um, I was 15 years old, so I completed high school here. And after high school, I entered seminary. So I did um, the formation of seminary was eight years and then a pastoral year. So nine years was ordained uh, when I was 27. So now uh, it's been three years since that. And it's been it's been quite a right. It's been a blessing. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, my brother is a priest and I, he was ordained, I believe, at 30. He went through regular undergraduate and then became uh, it was the the Catholic Center at the University of Maryland, where he found his vocation. The the priest there, Father Father Bill Byrne, who's now Bishop Bill Byrne of the Diocese of Springfield, Massachusetts, was he was the priest who sort of helped him find his vocation, preached at his first mass. Um, do you have any siblings, or are your parents local? Or yes, so my parents are are here um, in El Paso. I have an older brother. Uh, who is not in El Paso, and then a younger sister who lives here, actually very close to where I'm at. Oh, great! Yeah. So, and you're, you're. I find at least it's as a as a priest sibling. I find that it's my responsibility to help keep him grounded and honest. <laughs> I'll, I'll send this to my sister. <laughs> Give him a little bit of a harder time than <laughs> than he gets from his parishioners. So, um, El Paso, obviously being being part of an immigrant family. Um, it's a border diocese and, and your bishop, uh, Mark Seitz, is, uh, is known for his advocacy and his outreach and his work with migrants. Um, as a migrant yourself, has this been part of your ministry as a priest and as a, as a seminarian? Or um, have you had an opportunity to reach out to people that are, that are going through the, you know, I guess all of the challenges of immigration? Mm -hmm. I think it is a part of all of our ministries here as, as priests, deacons, uh, laity. Um, in some way or another, we are touched by this, uh, by the recent increase in migration, but also the regular day-to-day uh, -day traveling or the back and forth that happens. Uh, people who either live on this side and work on the other or vice versa or, or study uh, uh, and, and live on the other side. But yes, um, right now, well, as vocation director and not being at a parish, it's uh, a little harder. But at the same time, uh, so my office is at the seminary, at the local seminary. And one of those buildings is being used as a, uh, a shelter for, for migrants. So um, they're, they're there living among us. Um, and yeah, as a seminarian, I also had a little more opportunity to volunteer at a house of hospitality, um, do some of that work, important work that, that some of our brothers and sisters do to, uh, yeah, to be hospitable. I think that's part of our, our culture here in El Paso of, uh, hospitality, uh, of, you know, receiving, welcoming, and then helping our brothers and sisters on their way. And it's, it's quite remarkable. I think that someone your age, uh, and, and with your experience has been chosen by uh, to be a delegate of the Synod. Um, I know Pope Francis gave a shout out to your bishop in one of his recent interviews. I, I remember his, his quote was something to the effect of, I don't know if he's a liberal or a conservative, but he's a bishop that's with the people. Um, and so I think it's great that your diocese on the border 
um, is included among our delegates. But how did how did it wind up being you? How did you become one of the the North American delegate delegates? I mean, as much as you know, or as much as you can tell us about it. Yeah, that's the answer. I have no idea. Um, so, well, I, I Bishop Mark um, asked me to coordinate the diocesan phase here in El Paso, and uh, when that was done, uh, the, I was invited to some of the continental uh, listening sessions. So I participated in in I believe two of them. But also um, in the process um, during the diocesan phase and the continental phase, uh, the USCCB offered for us some some training, some um, some yeah conferences, and and uh, it was all through Zoom. So I would log in, uh, not not all the time, but uh, as often as I could. And um, I don't know, perhaps they saw my face there. They they thought, oh, there's a young priest or something. I have no idea how that happened, but um, but I think that might have been it. Now, within within this group, I guess that that was going through these trainings and these Zoom meetings. Uh, do you recognize Do you recognize the names of other participants who are also named delegates? Do you think? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I was in a small group with uh, Sister Leticia, who is the chancellor at uh, San Bernardino, and um, I recognize Julia who's a college student. I uh, wasn't in a group with her, but I recognize her from, yeah. from those meetings. Uh, she's, yeah, she's an undergrad from Poland originally, who I believe is at mm -hmm. uh, St. Joe's in Philadelphia as a, as a college student. So Yes. Yeah. The other ones I, I didn't know, uh, but it was a pleasure to meet them. We had a training at Mundelein, and um, that's where we met each other. And um, yeah, we prepared ourselves to, uh, to go to, to Rome. So is this the whole delegation or just the special delegates from the USCCB or who, who took part in, in that uh, Mundelein meeting? All the delegates. Well, uh, some couldn't make it, uh, but all of them were invited. The bishops, the cardinals, oh, great. and and us non-bishop delegates, too. So that was one of my, uh, my questions was uh, how well do you know the other delegates or um, I suppose during your encounter with them, did anyone stand out to you as somebody who um, you're really looking forward to their participation in the Synod? Um, does, were there any standouts? Not to say that they aren't all excellent in their own way, but just, I mean, I, I don't know if, for example, if Cardinal O'Malley was there, but he, you know, he's a, he's a bishop with such a long history of experience in so many different fields or um, Archbishop Gregory, or, I mean, you and and Julia are on the the early end, the young end of the group, and then you have these these cardinals and bishops that are approaching eighty. Um, it seems like a a fairly diverse group, although mm -hmm. the bulk of them are bishops. I think that uh, when Pope Francis says that the the feminine genius is is uh, important in the church, I saw that in the in those meetings. Um, Sister Leticia, I was in a small group with her, and uh, Julia was there as well um, and in conversation um, with Dr. Bailey Manns um, there they have very important things to say too and uh, also Wyatt he is the youngest I think of, oh. of us all and uh, very Cheyenne I think see yes. I've studied the list <laughs> yes he uh, he said at some point uh, I hope that when I meet the Pope I don't faint and 
well, you and me both. I, I hope we don't faint because they'll have to carry us out or something. Uh, so, have but you met no. the Pope before? Have you had that opportunity? Or so actually, uh, I don't know how God works in mysterious ways. Um, the the IAF. I don't know if you've heard of them, the Industrial Areas Foundation, mm -hmm. uh, collaborates with different dioceses throughout uh, the United States. And they had an audience with, with the Pope um, last week, precisely. And so uh, they, they collaborated with us in the Synod effort in um, training leaders. Uh, and they were very helpful to us. And so they extended the, the invitation to go to, to the audience to me. So... Um, yeah, that's, I, I met the Pope, uh, just last, last week or, yes. <laughs> oh, wow. So I had, I mean, I, I went, I was able to sit in the, the front section of a general audience, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit over a year ago, I was there with my family and unfortunately, unlike you, my linguistic skills, uh, well, it was right before he switched to the wheelchair. So he was limping badly and we, stood in line for a long time. And we, I mean, we were allowed to sit in the section, but I didn't know if he was going to make it all the way to us. Um, but, I, you know, I thought, am I going to try my Spanish? Am I going to try my Italian? Or am I going to bank on his English? <laughs> and my daughters knew that he spoke Spanish. They're, they were uh, five and eight at the time. And so he comes up, he meets our family, gives a good smile. He says, nice to meet you. He says, you know, be courageous, pray for me. The, the typical things that he says in English. And then my um, my older daughter said, hola. And and he responded back, hola. My younger daughter, Lucy, said, adios. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed and he tapped her cheek. And he said, adios, so that he was gone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so our encounter was, uh, was brief. But we we did get a nice picture of that little the little cheek cap. So that was mm -hmm. but so okay, so you're fresh in his mind. Did you were you able to talk to him and because you speak Spanish and Yes, so I was able to talk to him. Um tell him you'll see him next month and Yes, and uh, I said I'm Ivan Montelongo from El Paso and he's you know, very impressive. He said El Paso, Texas, tu obispo, muy bueno. Your bishop yeah. is very good. Um, so I haven't talked to, to Bishop Mark about this. I have to debrief, debrief him. But um, but the Pope knows who he is, and he, he said he follows what he's doing. Oh, good. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he said in that interview, like apparently El Paso rings out in his head. So, um, so one thing I, I'd like to talk about, because I think there's a, a narrative that's being projected about the synod and about mm -hmm. synodality. And I know there are a few videos of you on YouTube actually expressing what synodality is and what the Pope is trying to accomplish through the process that we're undergoing right now. And I know that there are there's confusion. Um, what, when did you first become aware of this concept of synodality? And if somebody was to ask you, what is this meeting going to accomplish this mm -hmm. fall? What's the and and a lot of it is still up in the air, I think, or or not public. What do you think um, you would respond to them and say? You do you you do you do your homework. You saw the videos in in YouTube. Um, so I think 
Well, I, I like to follow what the Pope says because I think it is very insightful, very profound. So I believe it was 2016 when it was the 50th anniversary of the of the Synod of, of Bishops that he gave this amazing speech that if we want to know what synodality is, um, I think that's one of the sources. Um, he, he said... This path of synodality is what God expects of the church of the third millennium. And that, I mean, that convinced me. Uh, from that moment, I thought, okay, well, this is what God is expecting of us, and we need to be formed in this. So when the, the synod on synodality came about, um, it was already in my mind. I knew what synodality was. Um, but I think it's important to to know that it's not just a concept, right? It's a, it's a lived experience. Um, it is listening to one another. It is uh, encountering one another as we are and building consensus, discerning together. Um, I think that the principle of law that says that what touches all must be decided by all um, is, is very important because this church is of all of us and so we all need to have a say, of course, the, the Bishop of Rome, the Pope Francis, and, uh, and the bishops have the authority to make decisions. To, uh, they have this special charism, but this occurs in consultation, in dialogue. And this is what's happening. It's, um, it's nothing to be afraid of. Um, it's, I think it's a, a freedom that, that must be present in the church to speak what is in our heart to, as Pope Francis says, to speak with parresia, right? With courage, uh, with, with freedom and, um, and know, uh, that the Holy spirit will, will lead the church, that the promise of the Lord is, uh, is, is true when he says to Peter, uh, the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail. And I remember the great speech that he gave at the, I don't think it was the homily. I think it was the final closing address of the 2014 right. Synod where he spoke about with and under Peter. Oh. Mm -hmm. And as the guarantor of it all. And and that really jumped out at me that this is this this understanding of papal primacy and being able to filter out the noise as long as we stick with the successor of Peter, as long as we understand that we are unified around the successor of Peter. I think this, that that's key to a lot of synodality. And, and one thing, you know, people talk about Anglican version of synodality or Lutheran versions of synodality. Um, and this is not to disparage our, our Protestant brothers and sisters, but because we have the Pope as the successor of Peter, mm -hmm. we shouldn't enter into synodality with fear, with fear that ideological agendas will overtake. Now, they can definitely, I believe, disrupt a true synodal process. And I think in order for, for the synod to be um, successful, people need to set aside their agendas. They need to set aside the contingencies under which they think that the I'm only going to be happy with the Synod if, if it decides this or if it does that or if we go this way. It's it's entering into that dialogue, just like you were saying, and being open to the movement of the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's precisely it. I think that um, 
Cardinal Greg, the the secretary of of the Synod Secretariat, and Sister Natalie have have said that that there's no free written conclusions about this and. Really, the structure today, there was a press conference on, on the layout of the synod, the sessions. Um, it's laid out so that there can be a true dialogue so that um, we can come up or, or together, right, with the things that we will discern with. Uh, so there's nothing pre-written and uh, they are truly serious about this dialogue and this true listening. And the title of the of this process a little bit before the show, I was, I was sort of complaining because the people call it the synod on synodality and the real name is for a synodal church community participation mission or communion participation mission. Yes. It has uh, (laughs) actually, they, they changed it a little bit. They tweaked it. um, I guess in the discussions in the discernment, it has come about that um, the mission is is tied to communion so they they rearranged it like communion mission participation now but I okay mean, but, but it's but it's that part where it's for a synodal church right and the purpose of this synod is to open the church up to synodality as a way of being mm-hmm. become a synodal church not not to as people as the pope keeps reassuring not to change doctrine not to overhaul the church, not to completely, but to to address the our way of being church, and in a way that addresses the issues in the modern world. I mean, we see secularization, we see the reasons why people leave the church, and as much as as much as we've tried since prior to Vatican II, the church has not come up with an effective response. In ter- at least in terms of, of numbers, at least in terms of, of culture, mm-hmm. to the secularization, to modernity, at least in the West. And I think we really need, I mean, I, I wrote in a recent article that we need divine intervention. And so with the, with the Holy Spirit as the protagonist of the synod, let's pray, you know, and I, I think those of us who aren't participating in the synod, like myself and every, almost everyone watching, um, we can assist with our prayers that the Holy Spirit can reveal to us and to help us so that we can discern where the Holy Spirit is, is, is leading us. Mm-hmm. Now um, I have another question uh, in terms of inside and outside uh, synod. This is something that Pope Francis talked about perhaps in the, in the speech I referenced, but definitely during the synod on the family where there is a, you know, the synod that takes place in the synod hall. And then there's the media circus that takes place outside. Um, I'm almost, I'm, it's, it's almost certain that there's going to be an outside synod this time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't know in terms of secrecy and in terms of uh, openness, we don't know what's going to be revealed to the media, re- revealed to the public during this process. Um, are you, do you have concerns about the way that the synod is going to be portrayed and whether what happens inside the synod hall will not be reflected in the larger church or will be distorted as the message goes out to the larger church? Yes, I think that certainly there will be a media synod that will not be reflective 
of the true synod. Um, and I don't know how much we can do about it. I know that the secretariat for the synod is going to even, you know, in this attempt to be transparent and to live stream some sessions. Um, and I believe that we will have some freedom to to give interviews or, you know, to keep others posted, of course, with, with respecting the privacy of, of what's or the sacredness, right? The, the sacredness of what's happening in there. Um, but sadly, related to those ideologies and agendas that you were mentioning, um, some people just want to put forth an image of the Synod that they think is true, or I, I don't know if it's in good faith, in bad faith, but sadly, I do believe there will be um, a media Synod, and uh, I don't know exactly what we can do to to downplay the, that media synod and show the true one, but um, we'll try. I'll do, we'll do our best at where Peter is. I don't know if you uh, followed us during the Amazon synod, but that was probably the, the most dramatic case of an inside synod and an outside synod. Um, inside, they're talking about the church in the Amazon, and on the outside, there's this moral panic about paganism in the Vatican. Yes. Um, and that's actually kind of what put us on the map, because Pedro Gabriel speaks Spanish, Portuguese, and English, and Italian. And he was able to translate some of these things into English to help put them to rest. And regular Catholics who just wanted to know what was going on or to know what the Pope's side of the story was, thats they were able to come to where Peter is to, to find some sanity. Yeah. Um, so uh, I know that traditionally, and you, I guess you've been following what the agenda is for the Synod, but I know that traditionally there's been... Um, the, the Synod delegates have had a, an opportunity to give a four-minute intervention. Is that, mm -hmm. um, have you prepared your intervention? Are you going to clue us into what you, you're planning to talk about? Are you going to let the spirit inform what you're going to say? Mm -hmm. I know that obviously being from El Paso, there might be a lot of weight on you or expectation that you'll address immigration and the border especially. But do you have any thoughts or can you share anything about that? Well, I am not sure because um, I have heard that it will be different, the layout. Uh, I had heard that there won't be the four-minute uh, intervention and um, that it will be a lot, well, it will be a lot of uh, small groups uh, working on certain elements of the worksheet for the Instrumentum Laboris, um, but then... I was following one of the interviews that the Pope gave and I think coming back from Mongolia and he mentioned the four minute uh, intervention. So I don't know what to expect. Uh, I have tried to give it some thought, but really I am not sure. Um, I think if, if I were to do something like that, um, it would be based on the experience here of the Synod. Um, which reflects a lot of what's happening around. Um, of course, I mean, our experience here is, is also an experience of migration, of those topics, but also uh, the same concerns that everyone else had about the youth, about uh, mental health, uh, about, um, yeah, those, those things, how we are responding. Well, I'm a vocation director now, so... Uh, in, in terms of vocations, 
but I, I really I'm not sure. Um, we'll we'll so it's, try to yeah. let the spirit also have a. So it's have like so it's like when you're the last minute fill in for daily mass for another priest, and you have to come up with a homily <laughs> on the fly or something like that. It's a, to Very, let the Holy Spirit inform you. Well, uh, actually, so before the works of the of the synod assembly there will be a retreat we will have a, a four day or three day retreat that'll be a great time to ask the holy spirit uh what to do excellent yes and i know that prayer is going to be a major component of the assembly um and so i guess my last question would basically be if if you have any um if you'd like to address our, our viewers and listeners who may be concerned about some of these ideological rumors or these ideas that there's going to be an agenda that's going to be shoved. Um, as a delegate, um, maybe you can speak to at least what you hope the Synod will be and how you are approaching the Synod. You've already spoken to this, but I mean, so just, just sort of to those who are concerned specifically. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes we we are informed by what people say that other people have said that other people have said and um i mean i met pope francis for the first time last week and he's such a humble man that he listens truly and my my impression is that he allows the spirit to to guide him and that's again we said that's the lord's promise that Peter or the successor of Peter has this special charism. Uh, my advice would be, or my exhortation would be to trust that promise. Um, even if we've been listening to whatever it is, you know, the Lord is faithful to his promises and uh, the Lord will not allow the gates of the netherworld to prevail. We have only to, to trust. And so I think we should uh, root ourselves in this trust that the Holy Spirit is still acting in the church, that uh, perhaps, well, the synodal way is a way of conversion. And all of us, from from the Bishop of Rome to the rest of the bishops, the priests, the deacons, the, the, the people of God, we all need conversion. So as we enter this, this synodal way, perhaps uh, uh, an examination of conscience, a question can be... Um, what do I need to to look at in my life? Where do I need to convert? Where do I need to trust? And um, yeah, just um, also part of this is we are, are delegates of the people of God. So I, I think I, I try to take that seriously. And uh, I am a representative of the church here in, in North America. So if if there's anyone out there who would like to, you know, talk to me or email me uh, about what what their their concerns are or what they think should be talked about discussed i'm happy to 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 read those things to to listen and to get into a dialogue because this is all about a dialogue and letting the spirit shine through it absolutely and thank you for sharing that um i just want to express you know my prayers for you and for the other delegates um as you as you go forward um, on this journey um, and just express the appreciation of, of all the people in North America for whom you are representing um, as we as we go forward uh, towards the Synod. 
Um, is there anything that you'd like to to plug or anything else you'd like to share that before we before we let you go? Well, I think that yes, I am going to Rome, but you all are going with me uh, as 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 a representative of the church here, not just in El Paso, not just in Texas, but in in North America. So please contact me um, or uh, pray for me also. Please, I, I do need the prayers, but uh, my email is i montelongo my the the fir the first letter of my name and I. we'll put it in the show notes okay you. perfect and my last name at elpasodiocese.org great and yeah so i mean there you go where peter is wpi perspectives viewers of episode 2 you can contact your own personal uh synod delegate if you'd like to I hope you don't get bombarded with spam because that that can happen. Yeah, but, um, well, and and I know that uh, of course synodality is not democracy either, right? It's not like in the states we have our representative that we, but but in a sense, yes, I am representing the the voice of the people of God here. So so yes, please feel free. Thank you very much, and it was very nice meeting you. Uh, until next time, this was WPI Perspectives. Goodbye and God bless. God bless.